Hi, and welcome to the Too Good to Waste podcast series. I want to take just a moment and thank our sponsors, the Upcycled Food Association and Net Zero for their ongoing support. The Upcycled Food Association is building a food system in which all food reaches its highest and best use. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a member or to support them by making a charitable donation, go to upcycledfood.org. And Net Zero, a modern food upcycling platform that helps power the safe capture and conversion of industrial food and beverage byproducts into new sustainable food ingredients at scale. You can learn more about Net Zero at netzro.us, powering Earth's food forward. We got told no a whole lot of times when I began this company, but to me, to be able to start tackling some of the largest issues within our supply chain, we need more companies that are thinking differently about how they're sourcing. You start peeling back the climate change impact of uh, industrialization and it, like where a lot of those um, uh, sustainability issues are occurring, food and food waste is more than transportation. We were definitely the first ones educating people around food waste. And now I think most people, at least on some subconscious level, are, you know, they're aware that food waste is a problem and it's turning more to, okay, well, what can I do about it? Too good to waste. Too good to waste. Way too good to waste. Too good to waste, absolutely. Hi, and welcome to the podcast series, Too Good to Waste. I'm your host, Kevin May, and together we're going on an adventure to explore some of the fun and creative and innovative ways that lots of people are doing their part to help find a higher value in unused food and food byproducts that might otherwise be wasted. So thanks for joining me. Let's go see if we can find out about some of these things that are too good to waste. to another episode. This is a special edition episode and this is Meet the Innovation Fund Cohort Part 2. So what is that you might ask? Well, if you missed episode 23, which was just two episodes back, we had a great conversation with the folks from the Kroger Company's Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation and another organization that they're collaborating with called Village Capital. Now together, they're working on this 2021 Innovation Fund Cohort and the concept really is to help try to identify, source, and understand and unlock capital that is supporting innovative solutions to prevent, recover, and recycle food waste. So 10 companies were selected for the 2021 cohort, and in these special episodes, we're meeting all 10 of those companies. In the last episode, episode 24, we met the founders from three of the companies, Grain for Grain, Agua Bonita, and Husky Beverages. This week, we're talking with founders from three more, Reblend, Take-Two Foods, and Renewal Mill. 
So to start things off, let's first check in with Catherine Burnell. Catherine is the founder of Reblend, which is a company that makes unique smoothies with impact. Catherine, thanks for being first up on this special episode. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, always exciting to hear these stories. So what I'd love to do is start off with a little bit of an introduction to your company, Reblend. Tell us what the products are and what makes your company and the products so unique. Yeah. So we are a line of frozen smoothie pops packed with fruits, veggies, superfoods, and a bold mission to radically tackle food waste. And they're simple pops, but they also tackle some of the most complex problems that are plaguing our supply chain and just the day-to-day struggles of boosting more fruits and veggies into your diet. So you've got me curious when you say it helps uh, reduce or eliminate food waste. How do you do that? We source our produce through two key avenues. One is what we call reharvesting. And that's when we work with farmers and distributors to identify surplus and imperfect sources of produce. The other channel is what we call repurposing. And that's where we work with manufacturers to identify perishable byproducts that are still delicious inputs for all of our blends. So, you know, that might look like um, a partnership with one of the largest vegetable processors where they create all sorts of veggie noodles. And at the core of every single piece of equipment that noodlerizes a zucchini is this disc of sorts that doesn't get spiralized. Well, That zucchini is classified as a waste stream, and yet it's organic, it's delicious, and it's a perfect blend component for our smoothies. So quick question that comes to my mind as you're talking about this is consistency in sourcing this kind of product. And there's when you develop something and you have a particular smoothie that's based on a particular fruit or vegetable, um, how are you able to continue to get the supply of that uh, in order to scale basically the the products that you're creating? We have two different gates. Um, First is, you know, when we work with a distributor or a manufacturer, they are already sourcing the spec. And then the next gate is we have, you know, very rigid parameters for each of our ingredients. We rely upon a brick scale so that, you know, albeit the cherry may be coming from a different supplier or a different part of the season, we know a specific gradient in terms of the bricks or the sweetness. And we have a specific spec in terms of, you know, some of the colors and the pH. And so we have put in place very clear parameters of what we are capable of including in our blends. So between those two different gates, I mean, I've had countless production runs and throughout our tenure in market, we've, you know, adjusted and brought on new suppliers with little to negligible impact on the overall flavor. I I would highly doubt that there are many people out there that would have, I myself included, um, recognize any of the differences with some of the ingredients that we've procured. That's great. And tell me, what are the flavors that you currently have in your product line? So we have five flavors. We have raspberry lemonade and, you know, it features lemon pulp and cauliflower stems and some other really excited like raspberry droubles, um, that tasty blend. We have very, very beautiful and 
It includes forest berries. It sneaks in some zucchini and spinach. Highlight superfoods like goji berries and rose hip. We have tropical bliss. That is a mix of tropical fruits like pineapple and mango with superfoods, including coconut water and kamu kamu. We have froze all day that has rose water, flaxseed, raspberries, cherries, and then we have daily detox. And it has a mix of greens, including spinach and zucchini. It features one of my favorite superfoods, which is baobab, um, alongside chia seeds and offers a really delicious boost. Wow, those all sound amazing. And uh, I look forward to trying all of them. So let's go back in time for a minute because behind every great product like this is a great founder's story. And I would love to know a little bit more about you personally and your journey, you know, kind of that evolved into what is now Reblend. Yeah. So, you know, the story of Reblend is somewhat intertwined with the story of me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a food person. I, from a very young age, knew that this was an industry and a space I deeply cared about. I began as a line chef all throughout high school, moved into R&D, new product development roles, working, you know, with companies like Payway Panera, marketing positions with McDonald's, Pop Chips, sales with Cliff Bar, and Safeway, and then went to grad school. And I went to Northwestern, got my master's in engineering and my MBA. And it was while I was on campus, I saw two things happening. On one end, I had learned about the food waste epidemic. And I was just trying to make sense of these statistics. Um, You see 40% and you you wanna understand the whys behind that. And so I had just started calling manufacturers and farmers and distributors. And time after time, what I kept hearing was that there is so much quote unquote waste out there. And one of the biggest prohibitors from that, you know, becoming a final product is that most manufacturers are incapable of blending whole fruits and vegetables. You look at the shelves of the market and the large majority of those products are made by mixing up concentrates, juices, flavors, processed purees. And I kept hearing that if there was a company that could build its supply chain on whole fruits and vegetables, it would have the capability of revolutionizing this fight against food waste. But I didn't really know where to go with that. Um, But at the same time, you know, I was a busy grad student, not eating a whole lot of fruits and vegetables. And I was trying to figure out how I could get more fruits and veggies into my diet without turning my kitchen into a war zone. And I was making smoothies, but that was a 30-minute process of cleaning my fruits and veggies, chopping my fruits and veggies, adding and measuring the goji and the chia, and then you have to clean the blender. And I had figured out this hack. The idea was take the smoothie, strip out everything that bolts it up. So take out the ice, the water, the milk, the banana, and pack it into something that I could grab from the freezer and head to class with. And my friends started to see me eating them en route to class and started to say, hey, you know, if we pay you, would you mind making us a few? And uh, I knew that I was onto something when I started getting inbounds from people I didn't even know asking, you know, are you the smoothie woman? Can I get in on this too? And the light bulb went off. 
I saw that there was a huge audience and base of consumers that were struggling and wanting to find easy ways to get a boost of fruits and veggies into their diet. And I also saw that there was a huge opportunity to build a brand and a company on a supply chain that thought differently about how it brought products to life. And so I decided to launch Reblend. And first, I started off with our supply chain, made sure that I was identifying partners to source our fruits and veggies. And then came the hard part. As no co-packer wanted to work with me, I would get on call after call. I'd be laughed into my face. I was told frequently that you're never going to be able to scale a company or a brand um, with whole fruits and vegetables. You're going to have to start plugging in juices and purees and concentrates. And so I knew that if I could show there was enough demand for what we were doing, that I could get the attention of the right partner to continue to scale our, our brand. And so, you know, I started off handcrafted, found a soup factory. They let me come in overnight from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. when they weren't producing. I bought my own equipment. I was hand filling each and every pouch, hand sealing each and every pouch. We could make like 400 units a night. And I was hitting the farmer's markets and mom and pop shops and was overwhelmed with the response I was hearing and getting and seeing. And we were outpacing what I could make. Customers were letting us know that they loved what we were creating and how we were creating our smoothie pops. And now we produce at 300,000 units uh, per production round and have found a partner that understands our vision, is excited to support us and are sold nationally. You know, I get excited when I see sales come in from you know, South Dakota and North Carolina and Seattle and Texas, um, we're, we're feeding and fueling people across the country. And it's been a really exciting journey uh, to be able to see the, the growth of something that really means a lot to me and is starting to mean a lot to a lot of other people. Well, and congratulations on that level of success. And I love that story because I think what it really um, expresses is what I think is a common theme among a lot of founders and you, it's persistence. It doesn't happen overnight. You've worked really hard for it and you had to keep going even when people were telling you not to, like you said, getting doors slammed in your face, getting people laughing at you or whatever, and you kept going and going. Where do you think that drive comes from in you? I mean, I think part of it's I'm dyslexic and okay. growing up, I did not know I was dyslexic until I was much older. I was in high school and I did not realize it at the time, but I was constantly having to think and approach things differently. And when I wanted something, if I wanted an A in a class, if I wanted to learn about something, I was consistently thinking outside the box and I was failing a lot. And I believe now, you know, it was a really challenging period to understand how to leverage and work with the dyslexia, but what that created was kind of this foundation of if you want something, you're just going to have to work a little bit harder and you might fail a few times in between. And I'm like, not as scared of that as that was really just 
kind of part of my DNA. That's great to hear. And I, I think that it's always important, I think, to tap into things that some people may look at as a challenge or as a limitation and really figure out how do you use that to your advantage. And it sounds like you've done just that. I want to just touch on something here. You are your company, Reblend, was one of just 10 companies that were selected out of nearly 150 that applied for this Kroger company, Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation's Innovation Fund. And so congratulations on that. And I've got to ask you, as an entrepreneur and a founder of a startup, what does it mean for you and your company to have been selected to be part of this program? I mean, it's, it's a huge honor, and especially as we collaborate and meet with all of the other founders, you know, I think that is part of what, you know, first finding the opportunity to partner with a, a group like Kroger that, you know, really raises the stakes of you know, what it means to bring a food product to life. That's a massive honor. And then when I've had the opportunity to look around the, the room and see all of these other companies that we are, you know, peers with that continues to elevate the power of being able to be a part of this program. And so I think um, the two things that hit me is a, this is a massive honor. B, this is a huge opportunity and it has been such an incredible experience working with Kroger village capital but also getting to collaborate and meet with the other peers and members of the cohort as well. That's wonderful. And so as you go through this process, and uh, we had the interview with the folks from Kroger, from the Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation, as well as Village Capital, and they told us a little bit about what you all went through, this intensive week-long boot camp, if you will, to start with, and then these monthly check-ins for a period of six months. We're about halfway through that right now. Has there been anything, any kind of unexpected surprise, anything that was revealed for you or a different perspective on things that you hadn't expected going into this? You know, I think they did a great job of level setting, you know, before mm -hmm. we went into the program of what to anticipate about the rigor of, you know, the boot camp, the check-ins, the milestones. I think the unexpected part is just the natural insights you get when you put yourself in a situation where you have a really big magnifying glass over parts of your business and decisions and thought processes that you're making on a daily basis that you don't always have a mirror on the other side to. And so I think there are a lot of little insights that by all means continue to add up and multiply that have come from the mentor sessions, the one-on-ones with the other peer companies and going through the village capital curriculum, you're forced to really question and, you know, think critically about various parts of your business that when you're racing around on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't always build in as much space and airtime to reflect on. Yeah, that's, that's such a great, you know, perspective and kind of feedback on on how the program is working. And also, I'll go back to what you said before, which is really being a part of this founders group with the other nine companies in the cohort that you're a part of. Um, that also sounds like a real special experience for you, which I can only imagine what that must be like. And as you said, using the word mirror, I mean, you get to bounce ideas off of this 
mastermind group, if you will, which is wonderful. So here we are at this particular moment in time right now. And what I would love to ask you is what would you say is one thing about your company that you are most proud of today? I think it's how we bring our products to life. Um, It was an unwavering commitment to blending whole fruits and vegetables that sets us apart from the mass majority of products that live on the shelf. And it was not easy. Um, You know, as I said at the very beginning of the introduction, we got told no a whole lot of times when I began this company. But to me, to be able to start tackling some of the largest issues within our supply chain, we need more companies that are thinking differently about how they're sourcing. And you're seeing other cohort members taking on various approaches. For me, our approach to making an impact on the food waste epidemic is being able to provide a a chain to a huge supply. You know, supply chain requires two pieces and the supply is there, but you need more companies that are processing those ingredients differently to really build in that chain. And so I think that's what I get most excited about in terms of some of the key tenants of how we built this brand and the foundation of Reharvest Provisions and Reblend. Well, thank you for being on the mission that you're on and creating these amazing products. I truly look forward to trying all of them. And just a quick little teaser for what's what's down the road for you. Is it are you continuing to do new product development? Are you looking to expand the line? I mean, I think, you know, we're continue we have several flavors on our bench that highlight mm-hmm. different functions that I'm super jazzed about. Uh, we just came out with the raspberry lemonade and it's a delicious, refreshing flavor that also packs in a boost of Kamu Kamu and some great fruits and veggies behind it. Um, the next big kind of push is to start seeing us at retail and you know, making sure that we're continuing to invest in this brand. To date, our whole brand has been built off of organic demand. We haven't really spent anything on marketing or trade and promotions, and it's created a really great benchmark for us to now really amplify. And so my goal is we continue to see that when people learn about who we are, how we craft our products, they start tasting our products. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Now our job is to make sure that there's a whole host of people and more people that are having that exact same experience. So as of right now, where can people go to find your products and also to follow the company and follow you on social? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram at reblend.co, pop onto our website, learn a little bit more, maybe purchase a product. Um, But you can also easily find us on Amazon, add us during your sun basket shipment, find us on Misfits Market, QVC, Fresh Direct, Thrive Market. Um, we're continuing to bring on new retail partners each and every week. And so um, we, by all means, if there's somewhere that you shop that we aren't currently in, send us a message. We'll, we'll definitely roll up our sleeves and make sure that we show up for you. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. I love what you're doing. I love learning about Reblend. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me. So my next guest is Matt Olsoski, co-founder and COO of Take-Two Foods. Take-Two is a company that is creating second chances for food, for people, and for the planet. Matt, thanks for taking the time to be here and talk with us today. It's a pleasure, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So first off, let's, you know, tell us a little bit about what is Take-Two Foods? What, what are your products? What makes them so unique? Yeah, Take-Two Foods uh, created the world's first barley milk using an upcycle ingredient uh, brewer's spent grains. So uh, early on, we discovered the uh, challenges of food waste uh, and, you know, the, the opportunity uh, to reuse and repurpose those ingredients. And uh, our first product to market was barley milk, uh, which uses upcycled uh, barley grain from the brewing process. That's not only great tasting, uh, has a you know great function, but it's also more nutritious. So it's, it's really exciting to create a new category uh, of, of food and then do it using something that's inherently sustainable. Tell us a little bit about a brewer's spent grain, because I know a lot of people are probably very familiar with the craft brewing and how popular that's becoming anywhere you go. Um, what is the process after the brewing that results in the spent grain and, and what's the value of the spent grain? Great question. So, uh, you know, if you look at beer, uh, one of the core ingredients in beer is barley. Uh, and, you know, barley is grown specifically for its starch and sugar. And that's what's used to go uh, turn into alcohol and beer. And what was left over was traditionally considered waste. And, you know, if you talk to a brewer, you know, they just wanted that stuff out of the process so that they could make more beer. Uh, but when you took a closer look at what this spent grain was, it was essentially concentrated fiber and protein, uh, an amazing source of nutrition that was essentially going to waste, right? Um, you know, if you look at uh, Anheuser-Busch and um, uh, was the company that you were spun out of, uh, they produce about 8 billion pounds of, of spent grain every year. Um, and so there's just a huge opportunity to capture uh, this grain, uh, which is basically concentrated nutrition, and, you know, upcycle it and put it back into the human food chain. So um, traditionally, you know, it either would go to animal agriculture, maybe it'll go to feed animals, or it could actually go to landfill, which is just a tragedy for something that's just so... Uh, so valuable from a food perspective. And then talk about your products. Like you say, a barley milk, tell me a little bit about your, your product line. What do you have in there and what are some of the unique features of the, uh, of the barley milk you have? So barley milk is a new category of milk. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we took the, the barley protein from the spent grain and we've crafted and formulated it into um, a milk that not only delivers on taste, a really neutral, uh, you know, dairy like flavor, but also has function and nutrition. So when you look at plant milk as a category overall, um, you know, a lot of the milks don't function. If you try to use almond milk and coffee, it'll curdle. You can't really cook with it, like sauces or bake with it. Um, or they also have strong flavor notes. You know, if you put oat milk in mac and cheese, it tastes like oats, right? Which is not something a traditional dairy consumer wants. And so when we went about crafting this, we, we said, you know what, we want to make it easy for consumers. Uh, it not only has to taste great, that's a given, it's food, right? But it also has to perform. So when you pick it up, you know, you have confidence that you're going to be able to use it just like milk in your cooking and your recipes. And then more importantly is not only when you use it, there has to be real nutrition. So when we think back in milk, milk forms a critical role in our diet, right? You know, kids and, 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 and provides protein and real nutrition, calcium. 
Um, and a lot of plant based milks don't provide that nutrition. And so we want to make sure that not only uh, in terms of flavor and function and versatility, but it also has protein and also has calcium that you expect. Mm -hmm. So our milks have five to eight grams of protein across the product line, 50% uh, more calcium than dairy milk, um, healthy fats like high lake, sunflower oil. Um, so if you look at our chocolate milk, for example, great tasting, half the sugar of a traditional dairy chocolate milk still tastes the same. Eight grams of complete protein per serving really checks all the box of what, you know, what consumers are looking for. At the other end, you know, you look at our original or unsweetened, there's five grams of complete protein as well as the healthy fats. And so, you know, um, it really performs. And for, you know, the, the coffee drinkers out there, we have a barista formulation that really foams well. So you can use it in your home froth or you can use it with your steam wine as a really mellow flavor that pairs well with coffee. And so we really wanted to deliver, um, you know, on all the occasions from the consumer perspective while, while inherently um, helping the environment, right? It, it's a great feeling that when you're drinking your latte, you, you know you're shrinking landfills, right? So it's, it's really uh, something that you feel good about when you consume it. I like that line, drink a latte, shrink a landfill, man. There's a great slogan. So... There sounds like there's a lot of science that went into this. Right. And in order to do the things that you just explained, and that's fascinating, tell me a little bit about your background. And are, were you involved in some of this, uh, you know, the development of this, these barley milks and, you know, making them taste good, making them, you know, mix in your coffee well? And, and where did that come from? Yeah, so my background is in science and engineering. Uh, I spent the first decade of my career in pharmaceuticals and research and development. Uh, before I, I shifted gears and, and wanted to go a more entrepreneurial route. Um, you know, I spent some time at Anheuser-Busch InBev with beer, but really uh, when I discovered the spent grain and the potential of, of transforming this into something new and compelling, um, I actually became a certified food scientist. And so the formulation themselves, I spent hundreds of, of prototypes, maybe a thousand hours in the kitchen, in the lab, just trying to perfect what's the right flavor profile, how... How can we make it not only nutritious, but make sure that when you use it, it works. And so uh, it, it took about three years uh, of really just not nonstop focus on developing and crafting recipes, getting in front of consumers and friends and family, to getting feedback candidly uh, sometimes about like where are the opportunities to improve. Yeah. Uh, because for me, you know, when we look at plant-based milk and dairy alternatives, um, I wanted them to, to taste great for everyone, right? You know, it's easy to make a very niche product that, that has maybe not great flavor, but uh, it has a, a profile like 30 calories and, um, you know, a few almonds in it or, you know, something that's appealing to maybe an ultra health, ultra health conscious consumer. But if you look at the, the opportunity for, for food waste and bringing new products to market, if, if we wanted to make impact, we have to make something that everyone would like. And so for me, a lot of the time I spent was crafting, a, you know, a taste and a function that someone in the Midwest, you know, where I grew up would love to drink it as well as someone, you know, a vegan in the Pacific Northwest in my backyard. And so that was really the challenge is how can you make something universally appealing um, with a, an alternative plant-based milk? And for you personally, you know, kind of going all the way back, maybe even to growing up your childhood, what was it that led you to this desire to, like you said, move into entrepreneurship, but not just creating something as an entrepreneur, but something that, you know, one is a, is an appealing product, but also has the important element of sustainability of, of really solving a problem or addressing a problem that is, is such a huge one, which is this climate change and the impact and food that's being wasted when it doesn't need to be. Where did that come from? 
you know, as I was progressing through my career, you know, I realized that, you know, one of the most important decisions we make every day is how to spend our time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, my passion and, and my, my career intersected and on that journey of, of how to, how to make a meaningful impact, leave the world a better place. And I found it, I realized that in order to implement and affect change on a global scale, businesses are the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really started thinking about my career and how to, you know, for the next 30 plus years, how can I really just use my time to, to like I said, make the world a better place. And when we started peeling back the climate change impact of, of industrialization and it, like where a lot of those um, uh, sustainability issues are occurring, food and food waste is more than transportation, right? Yeah. And so when you started to understand like what's contributing to the problem, um, you know, with the environment and with, you know, all the, the climate change, you know, food seemed like low hanging fruit, right? If we can make a difference in the food chain and prevent food waste and divert it and upcycle it and repurpose it, you could have a meaningful impact. Um, and so for me, it was just the, the right time, right place where I was looking for something meaningful for my career. There seemed a very obvious challenge with food and the food systems contribution to, you know, the sustainability and climate crisis. And so for me, the, the, the light bulb went off. It's like, we need to figure something out. And then I discovered spent grain and the billions of pounds of that yeah. going to waste. And, you know, it, it just made sense. And so fortunately, right time, right place, you know, I, I uh, met my co-founder, very passionate, uh, health forward, uh, plant-based eater. And, you know, between us, there's this great synergy where, you know, I can use my, my background in, in science to create something new. And then we could have really, truly authentic guardrails embedded within the company so that if the company succeeds, we are inherently making impact, right? So there's, there's no um, conflict there. And so that's, that's what we're doing. So with Take Two, it is about second chances for people, the health and the environment. But inherently, you know, if we make the best tasting plant-based milk on the market and people enjoy it, you know, they can enjoy it just for what it is. But in the background, they're also making impact, right? They're reducing um, reliance on animal uh, and animal welfare. They're reducing water, energy, uh, land usage, right? And so you, you, can, you can join us for our mission or you can just join us because we're probably tastes great. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you're going to make a difference just by joining us on this journey. Yeah, and that's what a brilliant answer. And, and you nailed it. I mean, you, you think about this, you've developed a product that is, it hits so many, so many points and so and deals with so many issues that has the sustainability. It's, it's good for the planet. It's good for us. It tastes good. I have tried it. So um, I can attest to that as well. And like you said, it's, there's a lot of people out there really that are looking for plant-based dairy alternatives right now. So, I mean, you're hitting in so many areas that just really resonate with, I think, a large section of the population. What's been your experience with the reception to this product once now that you have it out on the market and how long have you been on the market? So we've been on the market, uh, since March of 2020 is when we launched uh, a great time. Wow. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, just, no yeah. Everyone yeah. remember March of 2020. Yeah. So we a little over a year now. Um, and yeah, with, with it, it's interesting. Um, entrepreneurship is never easy, right? Creating a new product, a new brand in a new can new category is always going to be challenging. 
And then once you layer in there a unique ingredient, barley is not really familiar in the American diet, especially upcycled ingredients as well. And so what we found is, you know, we there's a lot of amazing and compelling parts of our story, but how do you distill it down to the essence to have a meaningful conversation with consumers to educate them on the importance of upcycling, on why barley is better? Um, and so for us, is there is a huge education element, not only from our, our product, right, because it's a new ingredient, um, but also because we're bringing upcycle ingredients to the market. And yeah. only recently, it actually became sort of top of mind. Um, mm-hmm. Before, you know, three years ago, if you said upcycled foods, people would be confused. It's like, well, I have upcycled clothing, but like, what's food? Is that trash? And so you right. really had to have a conversation um, that resonates with consumers and figuring out how to, how to engage them so that they can understand and want to, to join and want to consume your products. Well, and that's what I was thinking about. You, you're entering a new product category, but you're also entering a new, uh, well, a new product category in multiple different ways. One in the uh, dairy alternative, but also in the upcycled space. And so yeah. you're right. Consumer education is going to be a huge part of what you all have to do and are doing. And that leads me to kind of this next idea, which is you were one of 10 companies selected out of, I think, nearly 150 companies that applied for the Kroger company Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation's Innovation Fund this year. And for a company that started kind of like right at the leading edge of going into a pandemic, um, as a as an entrepreneur and a startup, that had to have been challenging, um, and I, I can't even imagine. So, I mean, I give you a lot of credit for enduring that and coming through it and out of it. Now that you're in this innovation fund cohort, what does it mean to you as a company, as a person, as an entrepreneur to have been selected? And you know, what does that mean as far in terms of support and how important is that to a business like yours, especially at this stage? Yeah, we feel incredibly fortunate to be selected. Um, you know, one of the challenges with upcycling and, and education is is inherently about changing behavior, right? Um, and every every company in the cohort that you know who's, who's trying to to change the food system to bring a new ingredient to market are facing similar challenges. So to to have someone like the Kroger's or, you know Zero Waste Foundation see what we're doing and believe in us. Uh, and want to invest in us to, to make sure we're successful and getting our message out there and to put a cohort of, of, you know, people with, you know, who are passionate, who have similar challenges. We can, we can have great conversations, learn from each other. Uh, it, it's really uh, a great resource. And, you know, if you're going to move a mountain, um, you know, it's just going to take time. And then it's having that community and that, that support, uh, it's just only going to make us more successful than we could have been on our own. And, you know, for us, this has been incredibly, incredibly valuable. Well, and as you go through this with these other companies in the cohort, uh, we've been talking to all of them and we hear about the process and what it's like. And I'm curious for you and at Take Two Foods, have you learned anything new in particular or gotten any new insights or perspectives that might have either validated that you're on the right path or maybe even caused a bit of a shift or a pivot in the company in the way you're building it? Yeah, the, the entire structure of the program is very interesting. Um, they have this great framework that Village Capital created, and it really assesses the key parts of your business all the way from, you know, channel strategy for getting your product to market to, you know, consumer value proposition. You know, so there's eight different categories and, you know, you have to sort of candidly and unbiasedly just score yourself. 
And what it does is it opens up, you know, you know, the, the gaps or opportunities uh, within your business. And so uh, the other thing about the cohort is it's not all early stage startup. There's actually companies of various sizes. And so yeah. for me, you know, some of the, some of the learnings of things we, we talked about maybe early on in the business, uh, but haven't revisited recently. So it was good sort of just to, to sort of revalidate those. And then there's other ones like, Oh yeah. I mean, we, we do have to demonstrate this if we want to move to the next stage. And so, you know, having them give a, you know, provide a, a simple use framework and then provide mentors um, and sort of a structure to, to assess and improve that is I think incredible for any business, especially a startup. And so for us, it was, um, really it's gonna it's giving us a way to measure reflect and improve yeah that's such a nice way to put it and so at this stage of the game right now with all that you've accomplished with take two foods you and your team you know over the period of just about a year and a half and to add to that of course the complication of starting and building a company in the midst of a pandemic as you reflect on all of that, what would you say at this moment in time is something that you are most proud of with what you've created at Take Two Foods? That's a great question. You know, when I think about what the team has done here, you know, when we started uh, at the beginning, it was essentially a small sort of pilot in the Pacific Northwest. You know, end of the year, we had 100 stores. Uh, but we had amazing feedback, not only from, you know, the the retailers, but also the, the consumers. And since December, you know, we've already expanded to 700 stores in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we're actually going to go farther uh, in September. We're going to expand to Fred Myers and King Supers and Ralph's on the West Coast. And so, you know, within a matter of months, we're going to be almost at 1,300 stores. And so, one of the key things for for getting people to, to try your product and actually make an impact by by using it is making it available. And so just the, the team behind like getting, getting it to consumers, getting it on shelf and the incredible model work they've done is I'm very proud uh, of that. And, um, you know, it's, we're just getting started. Well, congratulations on that. And you mentioned a team. I'm just curious. So people know, you know, when you start a company like this and then you start growing, how big a team do you have right now at Take Two Foods? So we started originally, there's three of us, maybe three years ago in the early stages. And then uh, right now we're at about 12. So it's still small, uh, but, you know, for us, it's, it's huge growth. And, you know, as we create more um, activity and opportunities over the next year, like we'll continue to expand. But it's just it's just great. Uh, you know, our the, the people who work with us, you know, our, I, I want to say employees because they're, they're more like family at this point. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's just they have the, the passion and they see the vision and it's so inspiring just to be able to work with them every day. Uh, and it's, so, it's not only validating just from, you know, the early concept that, that me and Jarek had uh, at the beginning, but, you know, to have others see it and recognize it and want to join it is probably the, the most rewarding part of what I've done so far. Well, it sounds like you're on a great path. And tell us now where we can find some of your products. I know you're out on the West Coast. And if people are interested and they don't happen to live on the West Coast, but they still want to try the products, what are some of the ways we can find the Take-Two products right now? So uh, on a national level, we're available at Sprouts Markets. Um, And so that's in, I believe, 23 states. Also in the Midwest, we're um, at Schnucks and Hy-Vee. 
Uh, again, expanding in September will be available on the West Coast. Um, at Ralph's Keep Supers and Fred Meyer, and then obviously in the Pacific Northwest, our backyard. We have Whole Foods Market, uh, New Seasons, and Market of Choice. So. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. So and we're also available online. If, if, if you're just really interested to try it, uh, we do do some direct-to-consumer shipments. You can go to take2foods.com, uh, learn more about us, and you know, order a, a variety pack and taste it for yourself. Well, yeah, and I'll also say another good reason to go to take2foods.com is you all have some great information on there. Like you said, a, a little bit about the process, about the company, and really about the mission and kind of the story behind what Take Two means, what it means to you, and what it can mean for all of us. So in a nutshell, as we wrap up this interview, tell us, if you would, just summarize what does Take Two mean to you? It's really about second chances. Uh, I know you said it at the opening, but we really want to to tackle food waste, uh, give second chance to the, the grain itself, give people a second chance to consume better products in their diet. And through that, you know, make impact and give the environment the second chance. You know, it's just kind of crazy out there, uh, you know, in the world and, you know, trying to make it better and trying to, you know, minimize uh, the impacts that we make is, is going to become even more important as time goes on. So that's what Take Two is all about. Well, there you have it. That's a great summary, Matt. Thanks again for taking the time to be here and talk to us today. We wish you all the best and we'll definitely follow you and see where you all are as you continue through this cohort and beyond. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate it. So my next guests on this episode are the co-founders of Renewal Mill, Claire Schlemme, CEO, and Caroline Cotto, the COO. Now, if by any chance you had the opportunity to listen to episode five back in December of 2020, I had the opportunity to talk with Caroline and we had a fun episode called Eating Adventure for Breakfast, where we learned all about what Renewal Mill is, what they were doing back then, and kind of the background on Caroline. But if you haven't heard that episode yet, I encourage you to go back and check it out sometime. There was a lot of really neat stuff we talked about. However, today you have the opportunity to hear from both of them and get an update on where the company is now and where it's headed and what they're doing as part of this 2021 Innovation Fund cohort. So let's jump right into it. Claire and Caroline, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Thanks so much for having us. Super excited to be here. So Claire, why don't you start off by giving us an overview of what is Renewal Mill? Yeah, so we are an upcycled food company. So we are taking byproducts from food manufacturing and instead of having them go to waste as they normally would, um, because they're full of great nutrition, they're delicious, they're absolutely something that should stay in our food supply chain. Um, we're finding ways to get them back um, onto people's plates. And so we're doing that primarily by, first of all, we're looking at the uh, byproducts coming from non-dairy milk production. So we're focused on the pulps coming from soy milk, oat milk. Uh, we dehydrate them and mill them to create a shelf-stable flour or powder. And then we sell those ingredients to other food companies that may uh, want extra nutrition in their products or even tap into the sustainability story. And then we also use the ingredients in our own branded product line. So our Renewal Mill product line is focused on uh, climate-friendly baking. So we have a line of flour, the flowers themselves, as well as plant-based, gluten-free baking mixes and plant-based ready-to-eat cookies. 
So tell me a little bit about the cookies, because I know there's something having to do with brownies. I just saw something come through my email uh, talking about the brownies. Is that one of the products as well? That's right. Yeah. So we have um, a brownie mix. It's a uh, vegan, gluten-free, just add oil and water. So very easy to use. And we have... um, We have the great fortune of working with a fantastic product developer who is just as passionate and dedicated as we are about taking these upcycled ingredients and really elevating them to these truly delicious um, uses for them. So she has, she's a James Beard Award winner that has a lot of expertise in gluten-free and alternative flours and really sees these upcycled ingredients as just another another group of ingredients and another place in our food supply, in our food supply chain that we can look for um, novel things to be working with and putting into the food that we eat. Um, So she, her first baking mix that she crafted for us actually was the brownie mix. And we now have three versions of cookie mixes, a snickerdoodle, a sugar cookie, and an oat chocolate chip cookie. And in about a few weeks, we're going to be releasing our limited edition flavors for fall, which will be a matcha white chocolate chip cookie mix and a pumpkin spice cookie mix. Oh, that sounds great. Perfect timing for those. And, you know, you did touch on it a little bit, and I'd love it if you can expand on this for us a little more, because first of all, the concept of taking byproducts that have a high nutrient value and then keeping them in the food supply chain, using them as new ingredients, isn't something that's completely new, but it's definitely fairly new on a lot of people's radar. And what I'm wondering is if someone, you know, obviously you have your mixes, which are great. They're obviously easy to use and very self-explanatory, but what if somebody wants to use the raw ingredients and incorporate that into baking? Do you offer some guidance or what recommendations would you make to help people understand how to use these new ingredients in what they're typically doing? Yeah, that's a great question because they are novel ingredients that most people have not played around with or or baked with before. Um, So certainly if you're familiar with gluten-free baking, I think it'll be easier to use the ingredients because they're very similar to other alternative flours that are out there like almond flour and cassava flour. Our okara flour, which is the upcycled ingredient produced from the soy milk, the soybean pulp from soy milk production, Um, that is a one-to-one substitute with coconut flour. So if anyone has any experience with coconut flour, that's a pretty easy swap. Um, Because they have a lot of fiber, that's part of the the nutrient uh, benefit of the the ingredients. They tend to be a bit thirstier, so you want to use a bit more liquid when you're baking with them. Uh, We do have kind of a best use guide on our website as well as recipes that people can follow to, to start to get their feet wet. We also blended um, a one to, like a cup for cup uh, blend, a gluten free flour blend that's based on our upcycled ingredients, but is already pre blended with other flours and starches uh, to basically create a product that you can um, use in place of white flour in a recipe. So it's a little bit more you someone who still wants to bake from scratch, but it's a little bit more user friendly. Well, there you go. So you've got something for everybody. You've got the mixes. You've got some guidance on how to use these flours. And again, some of it's experience. Experimentation. That's the fun of baking, right? So let's take a step backwards. I love founder's stories. I love to hear about the journey of what got you interested in starting a company like this and what was the path to getting here. So, you know, Claire, maybe we'll start with you and then Caroline, you jump in. But tell us a little bit about where you got this interest and this passion that ultimately ended up in Renewal Mill. 
Yeah, sure. So, um, so I, you know, I've always been very passionate about food and, and the environment. And I didn't really see the connection so much until I was diagnosed with cancer in my early 20s. And that was a bit of a, a you know, unexpected turn, especially to be a young adult um, that kind of, you know, had a forced pause in my plans um, and and got me started to, you know, really got me thinking about how we treat the planet and our bodies and the interconnectedness there. And that's what drove me actually to go back to graduate school in environmental studies and particularly like focus in that in that area. Um, and after after I graduated, I ended up co-founding the first organic juice company in Boston. And it was a very fun venture. It was it was so great to be working in the food system and be working in a in a uh, you know working to build a company that was connecting farmers and particularly New England farmers with people in the city. Um, but a couple of the challenges that we saw early on revolved around waste and seeing that food waste firsthand. So juicing is obviously, you know, a process that uses only a very small part of the produce. And we were ending our days with mounds of wet fruit and vegetable pulp. And because we were so careful with our sourcing and, and you know, only using organic and, like I said, really focused on local, it was really heartbreaking to watch all of this nutrition going to waste and it was just more than we could reasonably repurpose into anything as much as you know we did have some muffins and chips and things that we would try to do as little projects but nothing that was able to wholly solve the problem and you know an additional kind of economic consequence of it is that you know we're paying for a whole carrot but only using this a small part of it the juice which meant that our price points were fairly high i think a lot of people know know that juice is, is fairly um, fairly expensive and it meant that we weren't accessible nutrition either, and and that was that had been part of our our goal starting out was being able to access a lot of different areas of the city through a you know a juice truck, a food truck that um, we wanted to be able to move around. So those issues were were both kind of circling around in my in my mind when I I left that company to to. Um, to follow my partner to graduate school. And it was there that I actually had a very fortuitous conversation with the owner of a tofu factory based in Oakland, California. And we completely bonded over um, byproducts. Uh, it sounds kind of nerdy, but he was experiencing very much the same pain points that I had had in the juice business. But what was interesting for him is that it was on a much larger scale because he's, you know, he's a manufacturer as opposed to like a retail outlet. Um, and the just the sheer quantity of what he was producing made it seem like this could really be an interesting point for attacking food waste in the in the food supply chain. So um, that was how Renewal Mill got born. And, and of course, you know, quickly, you know, we quickly realized that this was not just a juice problem. It wasn't just a soy milk problem. There's so many places um, you can access these really, you know, we call them byproducts or waste products, but really they're just raw materials whose uses haven't been figured out yet, right? So, and there's so many different different places that you can find it. So, um, so yeah, that's what got us started. And then I'll let Caroline tell her, tell her story. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it sounds neat just to piggyback on that for just a second, because 
your background, having done the juice company in Boston and seeing and being very aware of the waste that was in that, I think is, it's great because I'm trying to always make those connections between what was it that you saw or what was it that, that even had your eyes open to seeing this problem and this opportunity when you connected with the tofu company. So that's really neat. That's kind of one of the stepping stones. It sounds like that got you there. And Caroline, Tell me, you know, give us your story, your journey to what led you ultimately to Renewal Mill. Yeah, like Claire, I've, you know, been passionate about food for a long time. Um, My background is actually kind of more in the nutrition side of food. So spent some time exploring um, child obesity and child malnutrition and really saw that both of those problems um, I think people like to to kind of peg on behavior and um, it's actually a lot more around environment. Um, and kind of the, the food system that's not necessarily set up to, to serve people and the planet as, as well as it could. So um, I had spent some time in tech and, and ultimately ended up combining my interest in food and tech at uh, the Techstars Farm to Fork Accelerator, kind of helping incubate 10 businesses along the food supply chain who are all trying to solve different problems in the food system. Um, and that's where I met Claire and kind of immediately uh, synced up with her vision to kind of reduce food waste and and joined her to go out and uh, raise our first round of capital. So when did Renewal Mill actually become a company? When did you all start the company? So I started it not long after I had that conversation with the owner of the tofu factory, which was about five years ago. So a little over five years ago um, is when we got started. So as a company, so five years ago, let's say this upcycle, upcycling movement, if you will. And I, I actually really want to go back to something you said, too, because I like the fact that you said we think of it as we certainly it's not waste, although it can be wasted. Uh, it's a byproduct or really it is just another product. It's it's part of the original product that can just be leveraged. And but, you know, we talk about upcycling and that's a big thing now this upcycling movement but five years ago that wasn't nearly on anybody's radar what was it like I'm, I'm thinking about starting a business getting the capital um you know trying to get into a space that was fairly new what was that like for you building the business at that point yeah it's it's such a great question because we have seen so much change over the past five years particularly around awareness of food waste and understanding why food waste is a problem and how it connects to something like climate change. Um, I think, you know, in the very early days of the company, whenever we were at an event or talking to people, often the, you know, food waste statistics that we were presenting around, you know, 30 to 40% of what we, of what is grown is, is never eaten. Some of those um, big statistics coming out of that original NRDC study, um, it was the first time that people were hearing this and, you know, kind of, we were definitely the first ones educating people around food waste. And now I think most people, at least on some subconscious level, are, you know, they're aware that food waste is a problem and it's turning more to, um, turning more to, okay, well, what can I do about it? So we kind of see that, that movement from, the first uh, piece of just educating someone and letting someone know that it's a problem to now people wanting to be engaged with the problem in a way to help solve it. So, so what's kind of been exciting, it, it, I mean, it's been exciting to see that and to have it parallel our, our journey um, with Renewal Mill. 
And I think now it's really about educating people around upcycled and what upcycled food is and how that is, you know, uh, solving the food waste problem. And of course, then helping with the environmental, you know, the negative environmental consequences of food waste. Um, So it's kind of moving people from yes, food waste is an issue to now, if you want to do something about it, we've got this cool new concept. I, I, it's not new. Uh, you know, the idea of not wasting food is forever, but right. sort of the way that we're now thinking about it and new in the sense that we're taking our, you know, industrialized food system that has been so linear and trying to make it circular again, um, you know, upcycled food that's that's available for people to, to make um, choices when they're shopping that are delicious for them and better for the planet. Yeah. And I I think like you said, I mean, it's been a big problem for a long time. I think most people are, would acknowledge that, yeah, we're aware of it. And even going back generations, you know, our grandparents, they knew not to waste food, but I think then we get into this cycle of, oh my gosh, you know, we just kind of take it for granted. But what you're talking about or what it sounds like too, is now taking it from this big macro problem to a more uh, palatable or action, um, uh, action-oriented process where we all can be a part of it. It's like, okay, we know it's a problem, but now what can we do about it? And by doing things like what you all are doing and the products and stuff like that, we now have things we can do to be a part of the solution. And I think that's the exciting part as with this movement right now is what are some things any of us can do to be a part of the solution? We know it's a problem. There's no question about that. So um, that's fun. As an entrepreneur and founders of a, of a startup, and now you're not an uh, you're not an early stage startup. You've been around for five years, but you're obviously continuing to grow. You were recently selected um, as one of 10 companies out of, I think, over 100 and nearly 150 that had applied for the Kroger Company's Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation's 2021 Innovation Fund. And first of all, congratulations on being selected. And, and I've just got to ask you, what does that mean? Like on your journey building this business, what does that mean to be selected in this particular 2021 Innovation Fund for you as individuals and for your company? We were just so honored to be selected um, to be part of this cohort. And I think there's multiple pieces of it that are exciting. I think one is just, I think the fact that there was this opportunity at all is very exciting. That you know, it means that more people are paying attention to it, especially players like Kroger that are so influential in the in the grocery and food space. So that was that was very exciting. Um, I think we are also so you know we are just all about partnerships. We love partnering with people and, you know, very much have a mentality of a rising tide lifts all boats. So it was also exciting to be able to have um, an opportunity to get really close with nine other companies that are working in the upcycled food space, obviously share very much the same passions that we do about transforming our food system and having um, having this space carved out and created for us to um, join together in different ways with the different companies to um, to further the, the mission of promoting upcycled food and and moving the food system towards a as a more circular food system. So that was an exciting part of it as well. And then of course, you know, it's always wonderful to have. Ooh, sorry, it's always wonderful to have recognition for what you're doing in the in the food system as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can imagine that's got to feel good and validating. And, you know, so as you went through this process and we've been talking with the other cohort members as well, and I'm always curious, was there anything that kind of came up for you all, new perspectives? Because you've got this unique opportunity where you're now surrounded by other founders and peers in the industry and you're sharing stuff quite openly. You know, did that reveal any new or unique insights or perspectives for you and Caroline as you go through this process? process? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, we are, we are constantly learning. Um, and certainly, certainly there has been a lot that has come out of this program and talking to other companies. I think one of the struggles for us has been, um, building our direct to consumer business, especially with the pandemic and how do we reach people? How do we, how do we get people to try this product? It's hard. It's hard for someone to read about what we do and and maybe even reading a description of what these products are. But to really get someone from that point to decide, yes, I want to try this, you know, it's hard through a screen, right? We want to be able to hand somebody a brownie and be like, look at how delicious, um, you know, better food for the planet is. Um, and some of the companies in the cohort have have already had a lot more success at um, direct-to-consumer businesses. So it's been great connecting with them kind of one-on-one to hear more about how, how are they marketing, how are they finding their customers, um, how, are they, how are they driving trial in an era where it's, it's hard to be uh, in person with people, getting easier. Um, but but uh, yeah, that's been, that's been a really great piece of it is to, to just hear from other entrepreneurs what they're doing um, to drive those that type of e-commerce um, sales. And I would just add, I think it's been really interesting overall to hear how people market this, right? Like we've been ingrained in telling and kind of honing our story about upcycled food and working with the Upcycled Food Association to tell this story, but everybody has their own unique spin on it that they've found works for them and their customers. And so we actually hosted a webinar with um, some of the other cohort members about um, the B2B ingredients that we all sell and like how to, how to educate um, R and D folks on how to use these ingredients. And I, I certainly learned a lot on kind of how people are telling that story differently um, and take, take bits and pieces and, and uh, mash it up with ours. Yeah, because we I can imagine, you know, when you're doing this, not involved in a cohort, you're kind of in a in your lane and you're doing your thing. And, and you know, whether or not you get the feedback that you that is really most valuable all the time, sometimes it may be from consumers or other businesses, but it sounds like this is an opportunity where you have other peers and other, like you said, businesses are on similar paths that can all kind of bounce ideas back and forth and and say oh well i tried this and that didn't work or i tried this so do you feel like that has been kind of a a good takeaway from this whole process that collectively you all are possibly on more solid paths now as a result of this i would say absolutely i think village capital does an amazing job of having you look critically at your business and then you know within the context of support from kroger who's been obviously very successful in the foods in building a successful food business um it's it's been very helpful to kind of see where the gaps are and the opportunities and kind of drive a very streamlined plan on how to uh, go after those those opportunities and and move forward as a more um, cohesive effective company so one question that i'm going to ask now taking a snapshot today 
at where you are with your company. What, uh, and Claire, we'll start with you. Claire, what would, what is one thing about your company that you are, you'd say you're most proud of as of today? Oh, this, this is an easy uh, question for me to answer. Uh, we track how much, um, how, how we track the quantity of byproducts or nutrition that we are diverting back into the supply chain. And we just crossed the threshold of a quarter million pounds, which was so exciting. So I think once we started, once that number really started growing, it felt like, you know, we're, we're seeing the tangible impacts of what we are head down working on every day. Um, And so that always feels great to look at that number and be tracking that and seeing that, yes, the work that we're, you know, the time that we're spending and the work that we're doing to to help build this new category of food is making a very obvious impact on um, on food waste. And that's so inspiring to me. That is huge. Congratulations on that. Caroline, I got to throw it to you. What would you say? What's something that you are most proud of? And you can say the same thing or you might have one of your own. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, definitely proud of what Claire has said as well. I think for me, um, the consumer perception is really huge. Like, like we've kind of discussed, you know, we've made huge strides in kind of just general understanding of what upcycled food is. And I think a lot of that has been on the, the backs of our work and the work of others in this space, um, especially through the Upcycled Food Association. And I think what I really want to <laughs> drive home is for consumers is that upcycled food can be um, a consumer-driven solution to climate change, of which we're seeing very real effects, especially here where we live in California. So um, I think, yeah, just the fact that we've helped educate so many people about this movement and hopefully empower them to to help us fight climate change through upcycled food um, is really inspiring to me and something I'm very proud of. I think that's great. And I, I totally agree with you. I mean, what better way than to eat some really delicious brownies or cookies and, you know, do your part in helping fight climate change at the same time. So you all offer some really great products and uh, opportunities to do that. So if people want to learn more about Renewal Mill, what are some of the ways they can find out about you and uh, the products? You can head over to our website at renewalmill.com. That's R-E-N-E-W-A-L-M-I-L-L. And also on any social media platform at Renewal Mill. Yep. You've got a lot of good followers on your Instagram. I follow you there as well as some other places. And I got to give a little plug for the recipes. We talked about that earlier. That's what I was asking. Uh, Claire, I was asking you a little bit about, okay, so what can we do with some of this stuff? And you all have such a great website and really have some nice recipes and fun stuff on there and good information about the company. So I will also recommend that people go there and we'll put a link to your website Um, and your social links on the show notes page for this particular episode. So again, thank you both so much for taking the time to be here today. Congratulations on all your accomplishments and what you're doing. And we wish you the very best moving forward. Thanks so much, Kevin. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I'm your host, Kevin May, and special thanks to my guests, Catherine Burnell from Reedland, Matt Olsofsky from Take-Two Foods, Claire Schlemmy, and Caroline Cotto from Renewal Mill. In the next episode, we're going to be talking to a couple more companies from the 2021 Innovation Fund cohort, so make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you'll know when it drops. 
I want to give a special thanks to my friends at the Kroger Company, Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation. It's been a real pleasure having this opportunity to meet all of you and then to meet all of these amazing companies that are doing such great work, as well as the incredible people at Village Capital. So you can learn more about what they're doing by going to ZeroHungerZeroWasteFoundation.org. And if you want to learn about Village Capital, just check out VILCAP, that's V-I-L-C-A-P.com. If you happen to have an idea for an episode, by all means, send us an email. Go to our website, TooGoodToWastePodcast.com, and shoot us an email under the contact page. Special thanks going out to Sue Marshall for help with creative development and to Ashley Brown, our associate producer on this episode. We'd also like to thank, of course, our sponsors, NetZero. You can find them at netzero.us and the Upcycled Food Association at upcycledfood.org. Too good to waste.